He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. What's interesting is it felt like a second place trophy. Think yeah. about the feeling that you would feel if somebody came along and offered to buy hospitality FM. Like just yeah. uh, and it, let's say it was a ton of money, a ton of money, more yeah. money than you've ever seen or grew up with. And think about that feeling that you'd feel. And you'd think from the outside looking in, it'd be like the equivalent of the champagne popping emoji. Yeah, yeah. It's like incredible. But what I thought was, okay, we just got started. Mm. We know this is going to be an exceptional product. We haven't even started marching on our mission yet. Yeah. We have to do this. But I still think if you fast forward three years in the future, five years in the future, 10 years in the future, I still think it feels like a second place trophy. And then mm. what does that do to you? You still may sell, by the way. You still may sell. Yeah, you yeah. still may exit. You still may whatever. But what do you think that does to you? You know what it does? It makes you build again. It makes you yeah. build again because you're unsatisfied with the outcome. It's always this unsatisfaction with the outcome and you have to build. So, mm. um, yeah, I think you're stuck doing it. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. Is technology considered overwhelming for you, or do you feel like it's just so difficult to keep up with the latest hardware and software technology? With so many different products, it can be hard to manage pricing, bookings, guest communication, accounting, channel management, and the list just goes on. Journey is making complicated technology accessible for short-term rental owners and operators alike. Journey has complete end-to-end products and a unified platform available for any stage of your business within hospitality. So if you book a demo and sign up for Journey in any of their products, you'll receive 10 free smart locks for your property. Go to journey.com, that's J-U-R-N-Y.com to book a demo and select Hospitality FM or Slick Talk from the drop-down menu. We love partnering with Journey and this is a killer offer that you can't refuse so with that being said back to the episode and thank you for listening all right everybody welcome back to another episode of slick talk the hospitality podcast once again i'm your host will slickers and if you haven't heard the show before i sit down i interview founders in the hospitality space whether they are from short-term rentals to hotels to restaurants to technology to investing and uh we're gonna sit down with Corey ashton walters who is the ceo and founder of here so Corey, welcome to the show my friend and i'm super excited because you also have a really nice microphone so it's uh not as often as you would think we would get a guest that has really good audio quality as well so welcome to the show great to meet will great to meet yeah i've got i get teased a lot for this microphone uh, I'll meet with like investors. I'll meet with people. And they're like, oh, we've got a podcaster here. And I'm like, listen, just because I've got a nice mic doesn't mean I'm a podcaster, even though I probably have aspirations <laughs> to being a podcaster. But uh, uh, yeah, I know I like having a nice mic. You know, it's like if 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 we're going to be working from home, you might as well, you know, bless the ears of whoever's on the other side with like decent audio. You know, we've all been on like a call with somebody that has like some weird like headpiece in that like it oh, sounds yeah. like the mic's like inside of their mouth. 
and oh, yeah. all this background noise and you know so yeah why not you know to the to the investors tell them the future of work from home is you know everyone's going to have a microphone everyone there's it's going to be the standard and you know podcasting super easy we got you know podcast networks out there that help you so you know you could always join a network right you know nice mic nice camera yeah why not yeah yeah, yeah i love already it set up well, ready to go i know i was gonna say when when do we launch we can get you on hospitality fm tomorrow send the contract <laughs> perfect <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it well uh cory outside of your aspirations for podcasting let's jump into your story because one your company here is very interesting, at least for me. I've never been um, the investor type of person. I've always, you know, of course, downloaded Coinbase, did Robinhood when it first launched, like 2018, um, all this stuff. But you've gotten a pretty interesting background uh, leading up to here. So I'd love to just kind of hear where your story really starts as an entrepreneur, as just your, your personal growth and journey also begins. Sure. Yeah. So um, before here, um, I've been on quite the entrepreneurial journey. So I um, I started my first company when I was 15 years old with a couple co-founders, a couple friends. It was a t-shirt printing company. So, or I should say, it was a, it was a t-shirt company that we we printed screen printing uh, screen printed designs on top of. Um, it was called Airit. It was this really cool surfwear brand. We grew up in like a small town in Florida near the beach and. I don't know. I think we thought we were pretty cool at the time. And um, we sold the shirts out of like the trunk of my car. We, we sold them in like house parties and, you know, sporting events, high school sporting events, things like that. And um, I think we sold 100, 150 shirts. We split the money at the end of the summer. I think we had like fun money and that's, that's what we did. And then <laughs> yeah. that was it. The business never returned. I don't think we made it through a full tax year. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had little like, you know, starts and fits of, of, of entrepreneurial um, entrepreneurism uh, over the course of, of really the last 15 years. Um, uh, you know, mainly in fashion was, was where I really got my start in design. Um, you know, starting with Air Eat when I was really young, but then fast forward into my twenties, I started a, a streetwear brand called Lurk that was, um, at the time we had tens of thousands of customers and, you know, we were, um, stocked in a very large company at the time called Karma Loop, which was like the Macy's or Nordstrom of the streetwear industry. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting ride specifically in fashion. Um, and, um, you know, fast forward about, a decade. And, um, I started a company called Homeworthy. It was my first tech company, um, that I had a co-founder. His name is Tudor Bay. Um, at the time he was working at Apple and with this idea, we felt like people living in small town America, um, were underserved in the tools and technology at their disposal to sell a house. So still pretty true to this day. You pick up like, you know, look at a random real estate listing in small town America. The photos look kind of crappy. The real estate mm -hmm. agent doesn't do a whole lot of effort in regards to, um, you know, preparing the listing and making it look, uh, superb. Um, and we thought, well, what if we brought, you know, big city tools and technology to small town homeowners looking to sell a home? So drone aerials, 3D scans, video walkthroughs, things you'd expect in a real estate listing in, you know, Miami or Atlanta or New York. Yeah. Um, but people living in a small town. So somebody lives in a town less than a thousand or two thousand people. Um, so we launched with that thesis um, in 2019, the Pacific Northwest, specifically Vancouver, Washington. And over okay. the course uh, of about a year, we grew to about 900 small towns and cities across the entire Pacific Northwest in our service market. Um, mm -hmm. So it grew pretty rapidly. Um, unfortunately, we, we kind of mistimed our growth um, as we were kind of reaching, not our peak, but really starting to find product market fit. Um, we walk into March of 2020. 
which yeah. you know, everybody remembers, you know, March 2020 is very similar. It's like thinking about 9-11. It's like everybody remembers where they were and what they were doing when 9-11 happened. I think very yeah. similar with with with, um, you know, middle of March of 2020. Everybody understood their life was going to change or didn't understand it, but their life changed forever in many cases. Yeah. Um, um, at that moment and in Homeworthy's case, it was a really interesting time because walking into that month, we were growing 20, 30 percent month over month, which is pretty great for a startup. But um, mm -hmm. we built a fully remote way to sell a house during a time that nobody wanted to meet anybody in person. Um, so in between March and April, we grew about 300 percent month over month. Um, wow. But the challenge was on on the surface, we were still a real estate brokerage from a financial you know model standpoint. So we wouldn't get paid until these homes sold. Mm -hmm. So not only were we growing, but our burn was increasing at a massive rate. Yeah. And at this point, yeah. we only raised this, a small angel round. So um, unfortunately, we hit the end of our runway um, as a startup at probably the worst time possible, which was COVID. Then also you're finding product market fit. So it's mm. a really, really hard time. Um, and unfortunately, um, in April of 2020, I had to lay off my entire team, including myself, um, just to try and survive the summer. The goal was, well, as long as we survive the summer, maybe, you know, venture capital, you know, starts flowing back into startups. And because at the time it really froze. Um, and that was the goal. So we cut every expense we could. We laid off everybody, including myself, and we tried to ride out the summer. And un unfortunately, we just couldn't get the magic back together um, uh, once that summer passed. Um, you know, our, our chart, so to speak, like a growth chart was down. Um, my team was happily unemployed. I was highly unmotivated and, and, and feeling very depressed myself. And um, we just didn't have the magic. It was a really tough time. And, um, you know, to, to, to add insult to injury, I was, I was going through a divorce myself and, um, it was just the, it was peak depression, about as low as you can mm. grow, go. And, um, um, I needed to keep myself busy. I need to find a way to get re-inspired. So I started picking up books and articles, whatever I could read, um, specifically books on stoicism, uh, you name it, not just all business, yeah. but just like philosophical and really trying to find, find my way. And um, I stumbled upon this really interesting article right around the time Airbnb was going public from a company called mm -hmm. Grandview Research. It was actually a research report. And um, in this research report, um, I found this, this, this metric that sent me down a rabbit hole that I'm still going down today, which the metric said by 2025, 75% of all travel and leisure spent in North America was going to be made by millennials or younger. And um, that was a pretty big determination, which essentially meant like, okay, next four or five years, the majority of of dollars spent on flights, hotels, et cetera, are going to be driven by young people. And oh, mm -hmm. by the way, they prefer alternative accommodations when they travel. So you know, they're, they're renting RVs, they're camping, they're staying in Airbnbs, things like that. And the industry is largely fragmented. You know, um, Everybody has a friend that runs an Airbnb. Um, but the challenge is every time you stay in an Airbnb, um, it is largely unpredictable. You, know, you walk yes. in, can I, get, can I get into the unit? That's the yep. first one. Does the door unlock? Does the code they give me unlock the door? Does the AC work? Why are the dirty plates in the sink? Yeah. The sheets have hairs in it. Like there's this constant, you know, quality control that, that's uncertain when you check it on Airbnb. So I thought there's probably a pretty big opportunity here to take a fragmented industry and professionalize it. Um, and um, that was started to become kind of the seed of the idea for here, which was this massive millennial wave that's coming. Um, that's that's really going to uh, drive the industry forward, and and a highly fragmented uh, asset class, which are short term vacation rentals. Um, yeah. So that was the kind of seed of the idea for here. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that that the the, the company you see today isn't the company that 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 we started working on. 
um, uh, we, we really wanted to build this idea of like kind of like roof stock for vacation rentals. Are you familiar with roof stock? Uh, I think I know the name. I don't know if I'd actually okay. know the concept yeah. or. Yeah. So, yeah. so they, so they buy single family homes, they fill them with a tenant and then they sell them to an, an investor and then manage it for that investor. It's called like turnkey real mm. estate investing. So they make it really easy okay. for like the average person that, that has money invest to invest in real estate without having to really lift a finger. So that's their business model, wow. but they do single family homes, so like regular rentals. Like I live in a rental. I don't know if you own or live in a rental, but like a regular house, wow. that's what they do. So we thought, well, what if we did that for vacation rentals? And, um, the challenge was we, we couldn't get loans on them. That was the biggest problem is it was very hard to get a loan for somebody short-term vacation rentals. It's a very fragmented industry for lending as well. And, yeah. um, I thought it's gonna be too small of a business model or too small of a market because you basically can only sell to people that can buy these with cash. So went back to the drawing board and was like, okay, this isn't going to work. Um, and, um, I slowly stumbled upon Masterworks through a podcast. Actually, one of the podcasts I used to listen to, which was called This Week in Startups, they were sponsored heavily by Masterworks. And yeah, I was like, I love this 30, Week in Startups. Yeah. I'm like, they got 30,000 people on their wait list. What is this company? Because that's what they, they, they pitch in their, in, their, in, their, in their podcast advertisements. And I learned that Masterworks, and for those, for your listeners that, 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 that aren't aware, Masterworks basically fractionalizes ownership of high-end art. So they make it easy mm. for somebody to own, um, you know, a, a small piece of a Basquiat or an Andy Warhol or, or a, a very, very high-end, high-value piece of artwork. And historically, artwork uh, appreciates it. Uh, you know, it basically outpaces the S&P 500, which is unreal to yeah. think about. <laughs> um, so I thought, oh, that's a really cool idea. How is this legal? Because this feels like securities. And from my understanding, soliciting securities from non-accredited investors is, is illegal. So it's, it's very yeah. hard to do. This is why most companies don't do it. And what I learned was they were using this really interesting filing framework called Regulation um, A. And what Regulation A essentially allows uh, an issuer, in this case Masterworks, to do is to fractionalize ownership of any asset of value and make it easy for anybody to invest. And when I say anybody, meaning accredited, non-accredited, international, whoever. Um, and it's a fairly new kind of filing framework, which is this Reg A, uh, Regulation A filing framework. So um, that was a big light bulb moment because I thought, huh. Not only could we make it easy for the average investor to invest in vacation rentals, but we can let allow anybody. And when I say anybody, I mean the sales associate at Bloomingdale's, the Uber yeah. driver, a bartender at a restaurant, all the way up to a product manager at Google or somebody that's individually wealthy, really anybody, regardless of where they live or who they are. And that was a big light bulb moment of, of this the perfect time for this asset class and um, this new kind of of a fractionalization framework that's that's become very popular with the sec um has matured enough to kind of apply that kind of masterworks fractionalization model to um short-term vacation rentals as an asset class um mm. so that that kind of crystallized um the go-to-market for here which was fractional ownership basically making it easy for anybody to invest you know any amount of money into really the coolest way to invest in reals today today which is short-term vacation rentals um, and, uh, we started marching on that idea in March of, it's funny, March to March, really March of 2021, I think is when we found it here. Um, and, um, we've been on quite the journey since. Yeah. And you and I talked about what we talked with two months ago, kind of just yeah. doing a discovery and, and, and understanding everything and a lot's changed, a lot's happened and it's just really cool. Like, and you, I don't know. I want to go back because you yeah, back. you went you got a, quite a few good points and some some things mentioned that I wanted to like touch on. One, yeah. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. I was just a little bit oh, north cool. of Seattle, so 
yeah are you where are you based for the listeners that are you know curious yeah just north of miami florida in a town called Merritt island so very close to okay. the space coast area okay cool so yeah the pacific northwest was a great idea i think for what you guys were doing um with homework or home worthy home worthy wow sorry um no worries because it's a really beautiful area so doing the drone shots doing all the other stuff all the greenery the mountains the you know the pnw you got the good old pnw um talk to me about because this is this is where it gets deep on slick talk we go down the story of everything and talk to me about because i think i was 19 or 20 no i was 20 21 2021 i had a show for an event company year to date that i opened it i shut it down super depressed highly in debt um attempted suicide um very low moments for you going through through covid and something is super uncontrollable right like we couldn't control like you said i remember exactly where i was i was in london it was like march something and i remember president trump said you know we're gonna national emergency closing down the borders we're shutting everything down shutting down the country and i was in a panic mode also because i just took another leap to go full-time entrepreneur um so for you you know you were already doing this thing you're your guys is you you didn't call it peak but you're close to peak perfect market fit time you're finding yeah we found the magic magic was found yeah that's i i don't know the i think the listeners on the show really appreciate the the stories of founders and entrepreneurism because they themselves are in the same position right they find something they're passionate about they find either product market fit or they're just on the tip of about to discovering it with you know being a mad scientist at the whiteboard erasing things writing new ideas going new routes and so for you finding product market fit then you know march april may and then having to 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 lay everybody off including yourself kind of walk me through that journey because for a lot of people i think it's really hard to pull themselves out of that and for you you said that you wanted or needed to get re-inspired so you started reading books or reading anything that you could mm-hmm. um what what was the initial driver for that like just to to get re-inspired because i think a lot of people would have given up yeah it was really tough so um so I went on, so let's, 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 let's start the moment that, um, um, so we, we, so the full team, you know, we had a full team meeting kind of the first week of April after we realized our existing investors weren't going to support us through this time. I knew we had to make an incredible move quickly just to, just to give us a chance to come back. So, um, you know, we, we do the full layoff with the team, including myself, you know, basically the entire, everybody just goes on. I forget what we called it at the time. It's very common word. What was the common word yeah. that everybody used? Uh, uh, not, uh, not forbearance. What was it called? Um, oh, um, I know what you're talking about. Uh, it's a weird word. I never heard of it until COVID. Um, me neither. I know what you're talking about. It's, it's, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue too. I know. Me too. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it, we didn't yeah, call it yeah. a layoff because we were all doing it. But um, um, yeah, we, we were all crying. It was really hard. Probably one, at the time, it was the hardest moment of, of my life. Um, yeah. And then um, I had to reduce my personal burn rate as quickly as possible. You know, I had a, mm-hmm. had a home that we rented month to month in, in Vancouver. Thank God it was month to month. We yeah. had a car. We had kind of everything. And, um, you know, pretty quickly after this, this layoff happened, we just dumped everything so we sold we had two cars we had two family two car households sold one of the cars and then we we packed a u-haul and moved um 
from Vancouver, Washington to Maradon, Florida, which is about 3,500 miles during mm -hmm. COVID, during peak COVID, where it was still very scary. It was very scary. It's yeah. like you just, there wasn't a lot of information out there. And the majority yeah. of the hotels that we'd stay in, we didn't know if they were going to be open or not. At the time, a lot of hotels were closing. Uh, so it's just a scary time to be moving across the country when you don't have anything uncertain about the future and like we're telling you all i've got my daughter in the back i've got my you know my wife at the time you know in the passenger seat and didn't really know what what the future held and we get down to florida we end up moving into my 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 grandmother's vacation house which has like a lot of like older lady furniture and like very def definitely not inspiring from a setting standpoint yeah. and um i just immediately go into like full-blown depression like just i mean about as depressed as it gets and um, you know, naturally with that, sometimes it works out, you know, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes people, mm -hmm. you know, like you explain like suicide and, you know, just, there's a lot of destruction that comes with, with depression. And, yeah, um, you know, at the time it was, it was divorce for me. So, um, yeah, I was just really, really unmotivated and, um, couldn't get it back together, but you know, the divorce actually helped me because it, it brought a lot of, of, uh, motivation through necessity like i was like okay i'm gonna be on my own and we split my the time with my daughter uh 50 50 so not only am i gonna be my own be on my own but i'm also going to have to um really provide and at this point i'm on washington state unemployment so i'm getting like a couple mm. hundred bucks a week something like that and yeah. i knew that 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 bomb was going to explode like it was going to run eventually yeah. that they're going to stop paying that unemployment yeah but i don't have a lot of professional skills you know, I mean, like I've, I've, you know, started companies, you know, whether they're successful or not, I've started companies since I've been very young. And, you know, in the mix between that, it was like working in the restaurant industry or, mm -hmm. you know, working as a bartender, but not, you know, $150,000, dollars a year tech employee salary, just mm -hmm. kind of like mm -hmm. average, average, you know, uh, blue collar salaries. And um, I knew I was kind of screwed. I'm like, because I... Home really wasn't going to work out. We couldn't get investors to back us to kick the lights back on. My team didn't want to come back to work. I had moved across the country to try and save money, and I'd have to move all the way back to kind of restart it. And by the way, I'm going through divorce, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So there was all these ideas that, like, okay, this is going to, this is going to, you know, this is the end of the road for that. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I was I was driving down the down this like really beautiful uh, uh, road that runs along the river here and and, um, and around where I live and. And I remember one night I was just like crying pretty, pretty, pretty hardly or pretty hard. And um, I was on the phone with my mom and, you know, I was going through a lot of just like really, really tough conversations. And I was like, I think I'm cursed. Like, I don't think I think I'm stuck doing this. I think I'm stuck building. I think the way out isn't to get a job. I think I have to build my way out of this. And mm. um, I remember that being a thing. I remember that being like um, like a, a step in, in the moment of like the chapters of life. And that was a big one where, and, and my mom supported it. And, um, I remember it was within the next week or two that I started to really just get like the gears spinning again. Like I was like, okay, mm -hmm. like I gotta do this. Like, this is it, you know? And, um, um, again, started poking, picking up books and articles and things like that. But you know, the, the original idea for here, it really wasn't an aha moment. It was just like, I have to work on something. Yeah. And this seems really exciting and this seems like something that could that could be in a big market and I know I can do it. So this is what you're going to work on. This is like me talking to myself from 30,000 feet. Like, well, this is it. This is what you're going to work on. Um, and what's interesting is if you show up for something every day and work on it, mm -hmm. somehow it gets like 
encapsulated in your brain is like, this is the thing that you do. And it became the thing that I do. And every day I'd work on um, the ear project. It was at, initially it was legal. And then it was trying to convince, you know, the people that supported me uh, and Homeworthy to support, you know, support the new project. And um, yeah, it was a tough road. I wouldn't be lying to you. It'd be, it, and it yeah. still is a tough road, but um, um, yeah, it was really that like realization um, that um, the only way out is to build. And it wasn't to just try and find another job or go yes. back to working in a restaurant or a, a hotel or, you know, it was, you've, you've got to, you got to build your way out of this, man. And and yeah. that was the realization. Well, it's, it's kind of crazy on what you just said on the, like when you show up every day, it just kind of formulates it in your head, right? Like this is what I'm doing. And if you, I think a, a previous like talk guest, Michael Chernow, who was also on Gary V's, uh, Gary V, the Gary V audio experience show. Um, he has a podcast called born or made. Uh, it's now, or no, it was called born or made. He shifted it to something else called creatures of habit. But the question for all of his guests was, do you feel like entrepreneurs are born the way they are or they're made through life events, through mm -hmm. decisions, through all this other stuff? Right. And right. everyone would give their answer, you know, oh, I think they're born this way. I think they're made like through their experience. Um, and the common thing I've been hearing throughout my interviews with guests and then even just through your story, I, I don't know if it's really a born thing but i think we're born to not give up and just show up and like you said in your head you're just going through like i just need to build like i just need to i just need I to do can, something i think you can create an entrepreneur i think you can create oh, one i, I think I it's a, i think it's very unlikely to learn to be one but i think you yeah. can be i think you can be um not groomed is a bad word for this but i think you yeah, can be groomed yeah. into being an entrepreneur like and the reason why i say this is because my my dad was very unsupportive of me doing anything entrepreneurial. He wanted me to go to college, mm -hmm. very normal life structure. My mom was very counterculture about that. It was like, oh, you're going to do something else. Like you're, She's always said that you're going to do something else. And I just like, I've always just thought that she's just bullshitting me. And mm -hmm. like, she just did it because I was dumb or I didn't get good grades in school or things like that. Yeah. But what's weird is it slowly built this core, this kernel of an idea inside of me since I was a very young child that you just can do something else. So you're not yeah. meant for the normal stuff. Like you're not meant yeah. for, you know, what you, what you're supposed to do or what you're, you're go to school and you got to go to college and then this and that, like it, I just, that wasn't, that wasn't part of my, how I was raised by my, and I was raised by my mom. My mom and dad were divorced. So, yeah. And I spent the majority of the time with my mom. So I think she turned, I think she is who built, turned me into an entrepreneur. I don't think I was born mm -hmm. that way. And I don't think I learned to be one. I think I was just, habitually told you're gonna do yeah. something else it's like it's okay your yeah. grades aren't that good you're gonna you'll, you're gonna do something else it's okay yeah and again she may have been lying to me i don't know but it, it's working and it worked so that's why i think like you can be born but i think you can also be be turned into one by yeah. somebody that is you know who you look up to for example is another example mm -hmm. i would say in hotels and vacation rentals the top complaints or issues are noise garbage and parking I may not be able to solve all of your parking and garbage problems, but I could definitely help with your noise problems. And that actually might just help your garbage and parking problems too. So NoiseAware is the only 100% privacy safe noise monitoring solution that property managers and owners can use in order to ensure they avoid parties and other issues happening at their property. You won't get notified when a plate breaks. 
But if you have a little quiet get together that kind of gets out of hand like this, then NoiseAware will give you the peace of mind to ensure that you and your property, and of course, your profits are protected. So use my code SLICKTALK20 to get 20% off of all noise monitoring devices and focus on the other important things that help you run your business. Now, thank you for checking out Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Get back to the episode. and Don't forget to check out NoiseAware while you're listening. Hundred percent. Yeah. What I was gonna say is that I think you're born with that initial. I think starter. I I know for me, growing up, I had a kind of similar kind of thing. My mom and dad weren't divorced, but my dad was very much, you know, works. He's been at his job the last 25, 26 years. My mom has her own business as a massage therapist. So like, you know, I got to see both sides, like nine to five, right? To whenever they, you yeah. know, whenever she she had the hours to, to go do it, and so. Yeah every time I was going through like middle school and high school and they're doing like your career days or this other stuff, military granted, I did join the military, but like, yeah. you know, military police officer, counselor, all these other like jobs that I was quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to do, um, mm-hmm. never worked out. My mom was just like, Oh, you'll figure out something. It's going to be completely different than you'd ever expect. And it's just going to happen. And I was like, mm-hmm. whatever, like, Chris is my friend. Chris has known he wanted to be a firefighter since we were in kindergarten together and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So like I would go through those conversations yeah. and yeah. I think, you know, that there's a, there's a mix between the born and the mate. I think, like you said, you can be turned, you can learn, not learn, but you can be, yeah. Groomed to be an entrepreneur in a way because yeah, of the people that are around you. And I think, you know, it, just going back to your story, mm-hmm. the, the having to build your way out of this, um, I always find super interesting because the I think the hardest part for entrepreneurism and everything that you're building, everything that others in mm-hmm. you know different entrepreneurial aspects build, is that I, I I I'm very fascinated by the the passion of building because it does take a lot. It takes a lot of mental capacity. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of emotional capacity. It takes a lot, a lot a lot of brain just capacity mm-hmm. in the sense of like mm-hmm. thinking and being strategic. And is this the right move? Taking chances, taking risks risk um mm-hmm. so all the above for you do yeah. you feel like you after let's say after here like let's say here mm-hmm. super successful yeah. gets acquired goes public whatever the the exit mm-hmm. may be do you feel like you will have to continue to build after that or do you think that you'll be able to settle yeah it's a disease i've, I've, <laughs> I've compared it to a disease before yeah, because yeah. i don't think it should be i think it's almost like it, we should be like not indoctrinated but i think there should be like an add you know classification on entrepreneurialism yeah. because i do think yeah. there's i think it's a disease and the reason why i say this is because um uh very early on here um right around when we launched we got an acquisition offer mm. um i won't say who i won't say where i won't say you know but it was yeah. enough to more than anybody that has ever come before me in my family tree you know would have seen in regards to numbers on a board yeah what's interesting is it felt like a second place trophy (laughs) 
and it sh- well, you guys just lunch, so like that would be. Of, but think you know, there's think no, about the, yeah. Think yeah. about the feeling that you would feel if somebody came along and, and offered to buy hospitality FM. Like just yeah. uh, and it, let's say it was a ton of money, a ton of money, more yeah. money than you've ever seen or grew up with. And think about that feeling that you'd feel, and you'd think from the outside looking in, it'd be like the equivalent of like um, the champagne popping it. emoji. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's like incredible. But what I thought was okay we just got started mm. we know this is going to be an exceptional product we haven't even started marching on our mission yet yeah um we have to do this but i still think if you fast forward three years in the future five years in the future ten years in the future i still think it feels like a second place trophy and then mm. what does that do to you you still may sell by the way you still may sell yeah, you yeah. still may exit you still may whatever but what do you think that does to you you know what it does it makes you build again it makes you yeah. build again because you're unsatisfied with the outcome. It's always this unsatisfaction with the outcome and you have to build. So, mm. um, yeah, I think you're stuck doing it. I, I don't <laughs> think it's like this, like, I think it's inside you. I think it's, you're stuck and it, I, and I'm not excited about it, by the way, I'm not, it's yeah. not something that I'm like, woohoo, I get to do this for the rest of my life. Like yeah. it is a, um, it just feels like a disease inside of you. Like it feels like something yeah. that you're, you're never going to get rid of. It's stuck inside you forever. You got to build. It's part of what you do. Now you have aspirations. You have duties as a parent. You've got goals. Mm. You've got things financially that you need to take care of. But at the end of the day, mm. like um, I've, I used to fight a lot with my, my ex-wife about this, which was I saw myself as a painter. I said, I feel, I feel mm. like a painter. I feel like I'm, I'm an artist. Like I feel like I'm a painter because I get so much pleasure out of building um, and the rest of it, I don't really care about. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's, and I think about it in a creative way too. I think about it very creative. I feel creatively satisfied, um, uh, building a company and she used to fight me about it. And she'd be like, you know, it, you're just a business person. I'm like, yeah, but it's not like that. Like it, to me, it's no. not like that. So, um, I think that's why it's like a creative itch that you have to do. It's like painters always paint, yeah. you know, and some painters go mad painting. Some painters still lose their mind painting just like, you know, re- some that don't. So I think like, that's how I see it. I think you're stuck. I think not all of us, but for me, yeah, I'm stuck doing it forever. Um, um, unfortunately, this isn't a job where it's like a construction worker or somebody working yeah. in like a coal mine where you your body, you know, it's gonna run out of energy at some point or yeah. joint muscle pain, whatever. Um, so I get to do this for another I'm 31, I get to do this for another thir- probably 35, 36 years. And um, yeah. you know that's fun to think about. Like, I do think that's fun, but the actual act of building is very hard. Um, very, specifically very on your brain and, and relationships and hard, yeah. you name it. Yeah. I was going to say uh, a good way that, that I see it as a visual thinker is I think of like Thanos from the Avengers, right? Like he's fighting and in, intensively to get these, you know, five stones to then finally say I could finally rest. And mm-hmm. uh even I think we even see in like the Avengers, you know, uh, I forget if yeah. it was Endgame or whatever, he's rested, yeah. but he's not rested. Like you could see him looking out yeah. into the into the sky and being yeah. like, right. He's not he, he's not satisfied. He's alone. He's by himself. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. got nobody. He just killed yeah. half the world. Um and and yeah, that's why I say it's day, like a like, disease. Yeah, hundred no connection to money. I mean, no connection 100%. to money. I mean, everybody yeah. thinks it's money. There's no connection to money. Like I'm telling you, there's if no anything, connection to yeah. money. Yeah, it's it's well, and, just this like, yeah, an unsatisfaction with the world, yeah. and then you in in your paintbrush is what fixes that, which is building. So seriously, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a weird feeling. 
to be honest for sure. um i don't and whenever i talk to people that envy it i'm like i don't know man oh, yeah. it sounds if you're happy with what you do you brought up your friends like a firefighter is like born to be a firefighter he knew since he was yeah. a child he wants to do it like at least you know what you want to do and like you're you're happy with that decision and, yeah. and your career path and you're not you're not wanting something else you know and like yeah. you get to like it's very different like i don't know people that just get to enjoy life i'm like man that sounds great you know yeah because i don't enjoy life i just you know just build <laughs> and you know and and um yeah it's tough yeah well that's where i've kind of for me like we launched hfm in december of last year 2021 and we've yeah. already pre like over committed our numbers on what we wanted to do within the network and so like all is good but then my team i'm like telling them you know the plans for the next year and what we're doing and where we're going and they're like what like yeah like we're gonna duplicate this over and over again and we're just gonna keep going and building and we're gonna sell to spotify and we're gonna go like going down this rabbit hole and they're like oh my god i thought we we're just like doing a simple podcast network and it's like <laughs> we did in, in less than six months so we got to keep going um so yeah. I, I know what you mean and like you know do the, the hardest part is having conversations with like friends uh other people in the world whether you meet them working remotely or or throughout mm -hmm. industry stuff is like i don't think there's because the number one question i get asked is like what's your hobby outside of this like i don't have a, a hobby like this is kind of yeah. what we jump into and i'm sure you have the mm -hmm. same thing yep and the biggest thing you kind of mentioned uh stoicism yeah. and like how you were like looking for inspiration to get out of this depression field a really good book I, i'll recommend to you and to anybody listening is um a previous guest on the show uh on on slick talk uh get out of my head by andrew mcconnell um uh, and he talks about stoicism and like modern day wisdom and how we can learn from this and like what occupies our mental headspace or our mental real estate um because a lot of us give it away for free and so i'm like going through this whole thing and it's like it's helping me understand like as an entrepreneur balance in my life whether it's going on a walk in the morning with a cup of coffee and not turning on slack or answering any emails or x y and z like these things right. actually are going to help me get to that point where I can enjoy life. Like I need to enjoy life. I need to, you know, you know, think about like having a relationship yeah. that is not just going to last until I get busy. And then when I get busy, it, it goes yeah. completely cold and we're always busy, but you know, the thing of like making the time and so not to go on a rambling, but no, I think, I'm like, this. I think it's highly yeah. important. I think if you go yeah. all in on work, um, not only are you can get burnt out, but it's just going to kill yeah. you. So like, I think part of it's too who you're with. I think if you're with somebody that yeah. um, is the opposite of like I've I exclusively uh, you know I'm with somebody now, but let's say it was in the future and, and it was I, I exclusively would would not want uh, to be with an entrepreneur because I think you both end up just this it's this like hedonic trade treadmill that nobody gets off of yeah and so you really need somebody that focuses on um, you know moment in time and for sure it just, it's just like you, you almost need the polar opposite of you in, yeah. in a way um or you have to do things to trick yourself to do these things so like make time make time to read make time to um you know go for a walk make time to, for your yeah. hobbies and you almost have to block them off and then make it to where it's like you have a boss and the boss says you have to do this because if you don't yeah. make it that if you don't make it that serious you're just gonna skip it you're gonna skip yeah. it and i do my own version of this i have a rowing machine i i, I used to yeah. row every other day every day and i stopped putting it on my calendar for some reason and now i've just stopped doing it and it's just because like yeah. they're the on the 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 the, uh, the other side of me is like dude just 
you don't need to do that. You're fine. Like whatever. Yeah. yeah. But you have to have like an, there has to be a boss that tells you you have to do this. Otherwise you just mm. ignore it, you know, and you 100%. ignore your, your hobbies, your things that make you feel peace, things like that. Um, and otherwise you just turn yourself into a lunatic. That's just like working <laughs> all the time, you know? Yeah, definitely. I get, I went on a month long trip to Mexico and it was supposed to be like a work remote slash like kind of vacation, you know, yeah. take, work four hours a day instead of the 18 type type scenario ended up not doing as much i, I still worked about eight uh, eight nine hours but still mm -hmm. better than you know 16 18 hours and uh and i remember coming back and there was probably a couple first two weeks i was giving up alcohol for like a 30-day challenge i was working mm -hmm. out i was doing all these like routines nice. and i remember like after that month it was like oh i caught myself doing not 18 hour workday as it was yeah. like 20 and i would be 7 a.m to like 8 9 yeah. 10 p.m at, at my computer didn't eat would go work out would struggle with the workout like all this stuff and i think you're 100 right like you have to create your own boss in the sense of like put it on your calendar make it mandatory make it from like a, a, a ceo or something like mm -hmm. that that is telling you that this is your daily task of kind of yes taking care of yeah. yourself because yeah it, and you have to have like it, start you have to have rules too like i have rules 100%. for myself like i don't do meetings in the evening i don't get on calls in the in the evening there's just like certain yeah. things i don't do and like there are exceptions there are certain yeah. exceptions where once or twice a month i break those rules yeah but outside because the other the problem is if you don't set rules and you end up working from eight to eight and yes i know it's 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 um what's the word i'm looking for it's encouraged and it's almost like hustle porn to do that yeah, yeah. but um yeah, I don't know. If you don't do it, you end up losing um, you're losing longevity. So now I'm trying sure. to focus more on longevity. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. I'm young. I know I'm going to be doing this for a while. I know I love what I do. Like, this is what I'm going to be doing yeah. forever. So, like, yeah. let's preserve the vessel. Like, let's make sure that yeah. you actually continue to do this and you don't go crazy in five years for because sure. you work like a maniac. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, the boss idea is it just create, like, an external boss. It can even be another person, by the way. It doesn't even have to be you. For sure. You know, there's a there's an app that I just downloaded that I want to start using called Future, and mm. Future's like a um, it's like a uh, exercising app. But you basically have like a personal trainer that just like bothers you all day, that tells <laughs> you to like work out, blah, blah blah. And like I'm sure they're kind about it, but it's cool because yeah. you, it's it's having it's not having to go to a gym, but you have a personal trainer that's like checking in to make sure you're doing what you're doing, and they're setting. Yeah. So it's nice having just like a, a third party that that bosses you around um for like activities that aren't related to work you know yeah. um because it, it allows you to create that like um that uh uh not transparency that's not the word i'm looking for um that uh, accountability, accountability. Yeah. yeah that accountability around like if i don't do this i'm gonna let somebody else down and depending yeah. on the kind of person you are like if i let somebody down i feel great dishonor so like yeah. i have to do it you know, um, sure. so that's been it's you just have to like trick yourself as an entrepreneur to like, I don't know, you kind of have to play this like self-sabotage role in certain cases for positive outcomes. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I want to I really enjoy the entrepreneurs talk, but I also know like the, the audience members are listening and are like, sure. all right, we want to learn. We want to know more about here. So like with sure, sure, sure. with what with, you know, the, the you. OK, 
was like catch up on my words uh started you know launching here about a year ago you guys are now as from what you and i talked about you're about to launch in three markets so what does this look like launching in three markets and sure and as like a here uh entity like what are you guys doing what do investors expect mm -hmm. what's the product and and kind of sure. going into like what can what can the day-to-day -day or even just the overall process be like yeah. So we incorporated officially last year, but um, we didn't. It took us almost a year to to get SEC approval to just launch in general. Yeah. Um, so we launched officially in, in March of this year. So it's been a couple months. Um, we launched in one market, Clearwater, Florida, and um, um, that did pretty well. So we've received some really interesting feedback, and um, you know, at at the time, I think we had about ten thousand users on the platform, and now we have a little over thirty thousand, closing on thirty five thousand today, and. Um, we've been working with the SEC to qualify the next three markets in uh, on the here platform, which are Joshua Tree, Big Bear, and Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Um, mm -hmm. And we actually just got approval for those last week. And um, depending on when this podcast comes out tomorrow, we're launching uh, Big Bear, um, which is going to be really exciting, um, yeah. uh, specifically a, a property called Moon Ridge. So, um, awesome. yeah, so um, that's where we are today um, in regards to how we think about markets and um uh, uh, launching new markets. We focus on destination, uh, destinations yeah. specifically. So, um, more of the Joshua trees and Poconos and Hudson Valley and, you know, um, uh, great lakes, things like that. And, and less of the big cities, you know, Austin, Miami, Atlanta. So really focusing on these like small towns that have a lot of tourism that are like yeah. beautiful destinations. They've kind of low supply quasi, you know, high regulation or kind of very tough to build in those markets. Um, and, um, yeah, so the goal over the next year or two is to, you know, launch 20 to 30 new markets, um, across the United States and then eventually beyond the United States into South America and Europe. Um, but, um, in regards to how the product, um, product works. So, can I, um, can I ask you a, a question yeah. on, on here, yeah. when you guys launch property, does tur or does here do the turnover or how does the, like the managing of the guest and the cleaning and the supplies and maintenance, all that, how's that kind of operate? Sure. Great question. Yeah. So we contract with local um, uh, property managers, cleaners, mm. um, maintenance, et cetera, um, on the local level. So we manage the property at 30,000 feet and then we um, select specific partners in each market. So in some markets, cool. it may be Vecasa um, or yeah. Avance Day. In other markets, it may be a local property manager that has deep roots um, um, that's been around for many years. So generally, we try to work with the best and the brightest in each market and they handle turnovers, guest communications, things of that nature. Um, but here's responsibility um, on the asset level is asset management. So we're responsible yeah. for managing those vendors um, as well as um, uh, the asset itself. So those are things like issuing dividends and, you know, tracking appreciation and, you know, handling taxes and things of that nature on behalf of our investors on the platform. Um, so that's how that's structured. Um, and investors can invest as little as $100 in an individual property. So really anybody um, yeah. uh, of any walk of life uh, can invest on here. Um, and, um, the entity structure is, is very interesting because we structured it to be identical to if a, a group of investors got together to buy a property. So mm -hmm. let's say you and I picked a property and you said the Pacific Northwest is where you grew up. So let's say we picked a property in Seattle, for example, um, yeah. and you own 50% and I own 50%. We set up an LLC to like hold that property together. Um, here is structured identically, except the difference is instead of there being two investors, there's hundreds of investors. They own anywhere from 0.1% up to 20% ownership or a little less than 20% ownership. So um, the structure is very interesting. Um, 
um, because it's, it's the closest thing you can get to true ownership. If not, it is true ownership. So the investors are entitled to anything that happens on um, the income level. So, you know, if a property generates, you know, $100,000 a year in, in net income, you're, you're, if you're an investor and you own 1%, you're entitled to 1% of those proceeds. The same mm -hmm. goes for appreciation. So if the property appreciates, you know, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 over the holding time horizon, you're entitled to your, your ownership stake worth of those appreciation rights. Um, so it's structured identically to with, you know, the two of us set up an LLC together to buy a property. Yeah. That's really cool. And like, what happens if, uh, here does here like ever sell the properties or is it strictly to get as many as possible, let them be cash flow positive and, and let the investors earn from that? Or is there ever like a, Hey, we got to 50 properties. We're going to sell 10 and sure. we're going to go do this all over again. Sure. So we plan to hold each property for five to seven years. Um, um, we know investors, um, you know, generally, depending on your specific goals, you know, have have shorter liquidity time horizons. So you'd like to see a return much faster in regards to getting your capital back. So, yeah. um, you know, we're definitely working on um, a secondary marketplace where those shares, you know, potentially in the future could be traded with other investors. So mm -hmm. if you own, you know, 150 shares of one, two, three Apple street, you could sell it to, you know, Sally, uh, in a secondary transaction, very similar to like a stock market. They'd be like bid and an ask and, um, investors yeah. would be able to trade kind of P to P like peer to peer. Um, yeah. it's not currently available on the platform today, but it's, it's definitely a roadmap item that we're working on. That's really cool. And so yeah. if like local or well-known property management companies, because a lot of the listeners from this show are heavy in vacation rentals, a little bit of hoteliers, a little bit of both uh, kind of hybrid operators. Um, so listening, like, is there a place that you guys, like, do you, when you get a property in these, you know, destinations, are you the ones reaching out or is there like a list that people can get onto to be vetted for a here property? Because the way I see it is kind of like here, here becomes the owner and then the PM just does their normal thing, but they report mm -hmm. to here, which would be you guys. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 So um, it depends on the market. Um, like I said, we do have partnerships with um, like Avant States as an example. Um, yeah. um, so it depends on the market that we're in. Um, we are building out kind of like an, uh, a network of vendors uh, in these markets. Um, yeah. We really need to build a page on the site dedicated to that right now. It's happening over email. Um, but generally we look for referrals. So when we buy the property, um, we ask the listing agent or the buyer's agent, whoever's representing us in the transaction, um, you know, who are kind of the best and the brightest in that market in regards to, yeah. um, vacation rental management. Um, and that's generally where we start. So that's where we start, um, uh, our search. Um, but, um, yeah, I would say like if, if just reaching out to hello at here.co is a, is a great, great way to, um, get introduced to the team and, um, we're, we're somewhat secretive about new markets, so we, we don't, yeah. we don't announce too far in the future. Um, but, um, which makes sense. Um, if, yeah. If you're in a destination market, you know, that's, that's highly traveled, we definitely would love to talk to you. Awesome. And for, I guess, uh, one of my favorite closing questions would be, yeah. As you as you've been going through this journey, you know, coming out from homeworthy to now here, what's been the biggest lesson or takeaway or just something that you've really held close, you know, that has kind of like helped you through this or just kind of helped you get to where you are today? Is there anything in particular that just something like you would in five, ten years be like, if it wasn't for this, I wouldn't have made this? Or um is there just any kind of takeaways or or any um yeah, been close to your heart. I think we touched on it a little bit um, 
uh, earlier in the conversation, which is just like showing up every day, even if it hurts to show up. Um, Cause I think there's something to like repetition yeah. And you end up growing and credit like it's I'm trying to think of like they say it with like investing, like there's like this compounding thing. It's like as long as you invest a little yeah. bit on a on a long horizon, you see incredible, you know, yield in the future. Um, I think it's very similar to investing in yourself. So I think if mm-hmm. like as I think if you show up every day and just like don't give up. Now the thing is when I say don't give up, it doesn't mean like if a company's failing and you can't bring it back to life, you may have to give up. But yeah. what I mean by don't give up is like don't give up on yourself. Yeah. So it's like, don't be like, well, because this thing failed or because this thing isn't going well, I'm a failure. You have to yeah. detach yourself from that. Um, but I do think showing up every day, um, regardless of the situation or outcome, I think is incredibly powerful. I think it's a great way to build long-term um, strength as an entrepreneur. 100%. And outside of that, if you could give anyone that's listening one one piece of advice, it, it could be uh, outside of showing up and uh, not giving up on yourself yeah. what would be one thing like through entrepreneurism that you would say is something that just to always keep in mind or something to to do or to look at or whatever it may be but what would what one little chunk or nugget be for for the audience um man that's a tough question and i would that's like to like question. to throw those like to throw those curveballs right at the end that's a tough one um i think um if you don't read I think reading is an incredibly powerful tool. I think it's a tool that like very much underrated and reading could take many shapes or forms. It could be an audio book. It could be physically reading. It could be reading research, yeah. research report. Really, anything. it doesn't have to be like by the book reading, but I think, um, you know, making time every day to read um, specific, I mean, it could be fiction. It could be nonfiction. It doesn't really matter, but I, I do think reading has contributed to um, most of my, uh, my life if anything knowledge whatever you you know even just vocabulary um you know reading is underrated i think that's that's probably the big takeaway is that reading is incredibly underrated i like that i'm a reader but i also like to do the audiobook just because Same. uh it's it's more or less uh i could do it while i'm working out it's like a podcast you know mm-hmm. you can i'm not you don't have to have it, it. i yeah. do both i i'll read with the audiobook while reading so i'll do like yeah. listening while reading it i'll also just I retain drive a lot better yeah. yeah, but I also don't yeah. stop. So like, I'm not precious about it. So like, I'll also yeah, listen yeah. in the car while not reading and listening to the same yeah. book that I was reading the night before. And like, I still feel like I, I still feel like I retain the information. I think as long for as you're sure. doing some combination of the three, which is like reading, yeah. reading with audiobook or just audiobook, like, um, it's crazy what you can learn and how it expands your purview, um, on, on life or or whatever you're working on. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. And that's what I, that book that I recommended earlier, Andrew McConnell is a great guy, but like just having that moment to sit by the pool and read the book and cancel out yeah. all the noise with like noise canceling headphones on or whatever. And yeah, just certainly. be like, it, it was such a refreshing, like out of your head moment right. and no pun intended on the, the title, but yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very refreshing. I highly recommend it. I hated reading as a kid, sucked at school. So yeah. to read now as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> like, this is very Definitely. weird, but it's 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 a good thing. But yeah, um, Corey. Also, the last question we always end on with every guest is, if you had one link, which you're not going to have just one link, we're going to link everything in the show notes as we yeah. do for everybody. Um, but if you had one link to send anybody that's listening to the show wants to learn more about you, wants to connect, wants to learn more about here, uh, where would you send them? H e r e dot c o. So here.co. 
Um, that's our website. Easy link to remember. Easy link to go to. Don't go to here.com. It'll send you to some. I, I'm not sure what they're doing over there, but not what we're doing. So <laughs> go to here.co. So here.co. Um, um, it's where you can learn more about here. It's where you can learn more about me and my team and um, uh, where you can get started investing in vacation rentals, whether you have, you know, uh, zero knowledge of real estate investing or a little bit. It's a, it's a great place to get started um, in uh, the asset class. I love it. It's such a fascinating time that we're in to see this happen so i'm i'm excited to watch and continue to connect with you and and you know hopefully we'll get to meet in person one of these days at a, at a some kind of conference or event um but i think what you guys are doing is really cool it's very um powerful for millennials especially those that can't actually buy a home at this current you know time and economic right. uh state so it's uh it's very much needed so to see the gap in the market be filled a little bit with what you guys are building is really cool so just want to say thank you for being on the show thank you for doing what you're doing and uh sharing your story with us i really appreciate it awesome thank you so much will of course all right slick talkers you heard it here first make sure you check out here.co check out everything about Corey and his team and we'll see you guys all again next week Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoy the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is, how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns, and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned, all thanks to having Safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest stay and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that I have them covered. If you're a professional property manager, then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to an episode.